everyone, welcome to People at Work. I'm Faye, Jostle's content marketing strategist. People at Work is a podcast created by Jostle, a tech company based in Vancouver, Canada. Not only are we the creators of an employee success platform, but we've spent the past decade finding out how to improve people's experience and days at work. So employee departures are disruptive in any company. Whenever an employee resigns, they leave a gaping hole in a team. And they take their institutional knowledge, contribution to culture, and other skills with them as well. Since the pandemic, talent is flocking in droves for various reasons. The Great Resignation has leaders, CEOs, and managers asking, what can we do about it, and what does it teach us about the working world? In today's episode, we look back on the insights shared by Yair Reamer, the CEO of Intu, Molly Brutomesso, the Senior VP of Customer Success at Wonderkind, and Joe Mullings, the Chairman and CEO of the Mullings Group Companies. We talked about why employees are leaving and share insights on how to retain your best people. Up first is our chat with Yair about how to avoid the great resignation. I think mostly in the short term, I think the pandemic has forced us all really to reflect. So people are rethinking their careers, their, their work-life balance, how they engage in work. Um, we've seen the market really become a candidate-driven market now. I think it's a big, pretty big shift in the last two or three years from from an employer-driven market, I think part of it's a need for employees to realize they want more autonomy, more flexibility in some cases. Um, in other cases, it's burnout, tr- truly. You know, you can think of some industries like retail and hospitality and others. Um, we, you know, what I've heard from HR leaders is people are burned out. And I think um, in some industries, it may be temporary. In some industries, workers will return. But, but really, there's a need for rethinking uh, the value that someone has within their work and, and the purpose and the meaning. But it is a reprioritization. I mean, if you think about before the pandemic, I think something like only one in 67 jobs was virtual, right? And now one in seven is virtual. So that's just one example of if my priority is spending more time with my family or spending more time on my health, if I can cut down a commute, it's the most basic example that's been used, but it truly is a reprioritization of what's important to me, right? And um, can cultures live and can they thrive from moving from a physical environment to a virtual or a hybrid environment, can an individuals stay engaged, right? So I think that's, um, I think that's sort of been the wake-up call for, for many um, in, in, you know, in this moment. Especially in this virtual world, check in, ask, um, and, and, and get that feedback and, and make that intentional. I think over-communication is impossible in a virtual world. And yeah. um, I think... In a physical office where the first almost 17, 18 years of my career were all physical um, and the last two or one and a half, two have all been virtual. I think, you know, you miss out on some of those uh, serendipitous moments. And so creating those intentionally at all levels, manager level, individual contributor level is really critical. And that enables you, I think, to have, um, you know, that that culture of active listening that we're that we're striving for. My hope for workplaces in 2022 is for organizations to look after the whole human, right? So if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we could all use that guidance, that support, that career development, right? People are yearning for coaching. They're yearning for for career, career advancement, something that's typically just been offered to executives in the past or, or high performers. Um, and I think what's been really cool about remote work, it's democratized access in, in, in many industries. We've seen access to more mental health benefits. We've seen access to more flexibility and work from home. 
um, and focus on kind of that whole human. So I would really love my hope workplaces in 2022 is to build on that trend. Don't let that die and just be a, that, that one time when we were flexible during that pandemic, right? I would love for it to be, okay, we're communicating at work in this virtual world. That's different than communicating in a physical world. How do we train and encourage managers and leaders to communicate properly? Or finding meaning or stress and mental health and balance at home. How to manage it when you have a kid's preschool that's been shut down, right? My son's preschool was shut down. There was a COVID case. How do you balance that, right? So I think um, all employees are dealing with this new world of work and, and stressors. And so having coaches or having resources or technology to help support them um, as whole humans is, is something that is my biggest hope for, for 2022 and beyond. Switching gears, here's our conversation with Molly on retaining and managing young professionals. What I find is young professionals are doing that from the get-go, and they're very advanced in thinking about how work integrates into their life, what it's giving to them from an energy level, how it's playing into um, you know, their overall goals in life as well as their values in life. So you know, when we unpack kind of the reason that we're losing folks, each and every one is a different story, but it all comes back to, you know, is it, is it aligning to their values? Where do they stand in the rest of their um, their life around, you know, a bigger, a bigger purpose, a bigger idea of what they want their life to become. And I think it's really on us as leaders and as companies to make sure that we're helping them align, you know, what their values are to our company values and being very comfortable with, uh, and letting people go in a very empathic and non-judgmental way when it is time for them to move on and respecting those decisions. I think having a robust career pathing where people understand where they can go and how they can go is important. Another piece, we have very robust core values. And I always encourage our team to line up what their personal core values are and how those relate to our company core values. Because it what I want them to get into habit of is you know, it's a tough job, it's a tight job market, right? So you know, I know they're being approached by other companies. I want them to make the right decisions if they're going and to get into the habit of how does this line up to that that other company's core values line up to your personal core values. Get really comfortable with what the reality of how long people will be here. And even having those conversations from the get-go with HR and with our hiring and our talent team and getting comfortable with that and then planning for that attrition so that we can get ahead of that and it doesn't stress out the the team that's staying so that you can get ahead of what you know is going to happen, that people are going to move on, is an important part too. And I think one of the things that we've seen is as you start having those conversations with people around, yes, I know you're hitting this point. You've been here about two years. You're probably looking at what's next, both internally as well as potentially externally. Let's get you some frameworks to think about change. One of those pieces being, does the company have core values? What are you looking for? Maybe a strengths finder piece. I use some kind of frameworks that I was given with a career coach as well when I'm working with people specifically in a more mentor, uh, mentee format. And making sure that we're helping them to walk through those changes. And sometimes when you do that, they realize that they're not done yet. And you get that extra year out. You get that extra year and a half out um, that they're doing. So I hope that there's sort of, uh, an in-between that happens that people stay a little bit longer to really get the most out of a company and get that kind of ongoing learning. 
we don't want to force people to bring their lives to us if they don't want to, if they still don't want to integrate them. But offering those moments where you ask them more open-ended questions, what keeps you up at night? And somebody might bring a client issue, but it gives them the opportunity to also say, you know, I'm caring for my mother who got COVID or, you know, what have you to bring that into the conversation. And asking that on a regular basis and one-on-ones, you know, nine times out of 10, they might not say anything that's on the personal side, but giving that consistent opportunity to bring something up that's more personal has been important for us. Lastly, Joe shares why you should care about your employer brand. And, you know, in Darwinian fashion, um, it's not survival of the fittest, it's survival of the most agile or adaptive. Yep. For the first time in history, the worker's in charge. That's never happened before. The employee is in charge and the organization right now is scrambling to figure out how to hire the at demand, high quality employee. So that was already in motion a little bit, um, with the contractor world and the interim world of employment. Um, there was a rapid exit out of full-time work in relative terms and a growth in contract. So that is really accelerated and the need to be able to tell your organization's story about who I will become as a future employee also has become accelerated. So the organizations that bifurcate the internal employee and the future team member will do well, number one. And number two, those who develop a hiring brand for their organization, not a product brand, not a service brand, but a hiring brand that lets me know who are the type of people I'm going to be with. Why is your market salient? Why is the product and service in your market salient? And what is the mission that makes you show up every day? When you can construct that story and you put a function in house that is not HR, but is talent access, access to talent in the market through storytelling, they will dominate. You've got to bring in either a, a partner or, you know, a, a function in your organization that can use a demand gen model to bring in the people that make the organization work. And one of the things I've mentioned is I've got more and more clients in that six, seven, $800 million range that are installing studios now in their organization, albeit for product marketing. And they're starting to talk to me about how do we pivot this to bring it in for, um, talent marketing. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've learned more about what the great resignation means for the working world and how to retain your talent. Thanks and catch you next time.